So Z Police, Erica, and Phil I Am walk into a bar. <laughs> Is that your unofficial way to start the episode this week? Yeah, you know, I know we didn't clap at all, but uh, I, I think at this point you're you're a veteran enough. Uh, you're used to editing and, and, and growing leaps and bounds. Well, uh, I, I just think it's kind of funny, and you know... Do you hand choose our icons every time you import nah. our audio or tracks? No, I have a few templates for like when everyone's on or for nights like this when it's just Eric and I. It's a, it's a Wednesday episode, middle of the week. And on Monday we visited you with the Wicknet Awards and uh, it was me, you, and Phil. Or excuse me, you, I, and Phil. And, and Phil I am. Philium, or Phil <laughs> I am, yeah. And uh, now it's just the three of us. and Or, well, I guess three if you're counting Daenerys who's sitting here. She's... She's hanging out, and she's planning on coming on the show real soon, I think. Yeah, she's just in, in plain clothes, you know, a little dagger by her side. It's not the uh, queenly garb that she's uh, had on her the previous times we've seen her. We uh, are talking about a new chapter today, and by new, I, we've been doing chapter by chapter, obviously, as the weeks progress in the off-season or the on-season, whichever you prefer. But few are as exciting as this one, as this is the chapter that follows the epic House of the Undying chapter that so many of you have talked about in the comments section and some of you have tweeted us and Facebooked about and that you, you really, really loved. And this is the, the chapter that follows that up chronologically because we're finally getting back with Daenerys after so much else has happened elsewhere in Westeros. Yeah, it's true. And it is. it feels like a breath of fresh air in a way because you're in a geographical location where there's not fire in the air <laughs> raining down right. on 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 you you know it's it's george i'm glad he stayed with blackwater and kind of had that he just got that done you know and it took six right. chapters it was davos sansa Tyrion, sansa Tyrion, sansa and uh you know finally now we do get to to relax kind of but it's also it, it is the aftermath as you said of the the house of the undying chapter previously and shit is about to go down even further. I mean, Danny has to leave Karth now and really instead of killing everybody like we thought, you know, probably would have happened, it just seems like she pissed everybody off. <laughs> well, it's so funny that would be the two of us here because uh obviously Micah and Selena knew the aftermath and they they kind of saw the television show and they saw the aftermath of how the show set it up and mm -hmm. going into this, you know, our dialogue being with Zaro at the beginning of the chapter, obviously the show situation didn't happen. And I think we all kind of gathered that by the angry tweets that we saw for like the months following that it wasn't exactly that way, but I didn't know in what degree it was different. So now we're seeing Daenerys in a Karth that is living with the fact that her and her dragon has basically destroyed and burned down the house of the undying. And now these people like the Spicers, the Tormelin Brotherhood has got some anger pointed directly at her and the 13 aren't far away from aggressing either. So, I mean, it's much different than the show painted it as we knew it would be. But um, this is certainly much more magical and exciting. You know what I mean? Just, uh, yeah, it's so yeah. deep. It's so deep. It really is. And it's kind of I'm trying to think of a, an analogy that, that properly works here. But it seems like, you know how we were saying how. Uh, and people were telling Danny that her presence or the dragon's presence in the world has, has kind of brought to life a lot of stuff that used to be dormant. Yeah. It, it seems like burning the house of the undying down only served to ignite other fires around Karth. At least that's what Zaro tells Danny in the beginning of this chapter. And it, it, it seems more like he's kind of gossipy about the whole thing, but, uh, I, I wanted to quote here from the chapter because nobody's words can do it better than, than George R. R. Martin's himself. She asks, uh, Zara's telling her to flee or whatever. 
And she says, was it not you who told me the warlocks were no more than old soldiers vainly boasting of forgotten deeds and lost prowess? And it says, Zara looked troubled. He says, and so it was then, but now I am less certain. It is said that the glass candles are burning in the house of Urathon Nightwalker that have not burned in a hundred years. Ghost grass grows in the garden of Gehaney. Phantom tortoises have been seen <laughs> carrying messages between windowless houses on Warlock's Way. Teenage All the rats girls. in the city are chewing off their tails. Uh, furthermore, the wife of Mathos Malarwan, who once mocked Warlob's drab, moth-eaten robe, has gone mad and will now wear no clothes at all. Even fresh-washed silks make her feel as though a thousand insects were crawling on her skin. And Blind Sebastian, who can forget Blind Sebastian? Uh -huh. Come on, Zach. The Eater of Eyes. The Eater of <laughs> Eyes <laughs> can see again, or so his slaves do swear. A man must wonder, he sighed. These are strange times in Karth, and strange times are bad for trade. So true. This is crazy shit, dude. Tortoises are carrying messages. What's next? That's, what I, is I next? I literally took, I swear, Eric, I took the same note out of this chapter, and I, I, I highlighted it in my note. Only was one word, and I said, shit. <laughs> I swear I'm looking at it right now. Because this is intense, you know? This is building upon what we saw in the House of the Undying. And as it's expertly quoted later on in the chapter by Jorah, like, how can you believe these things? And he's recollecting so many of the prophetic things that happened inside of the house. And he's saying, how can you believe that? Because you knew the entire time they were just out for your blood. They just wanted you. They wanted your dragons. She's like, yeah, that's true. But there's got to be some, some truthfulness to all this. Because... I mean, they did have power. Something did happen. I'm not sure if it was just the drugs they gave me before I went in. Like, maybe I was tripping <laughs> out. But either way, I saw something. So it's mysterious that even someone like Zaro, and basically the, his entire response here was because he was warning Danny, not only should she leave because it's bad for trade that I guess he eventually gets to and, and you know, finally says, like, hey, it's bad yeah. for money. But at first he was just like, you better go because the warlocks have some surviving people that are going to be after your ass and you don't want that to happen. And she's just like, you told me they were old-ass dudes who eat blueberries all day. You know, like, <laughs> why am I supposed to be scared of them now? And then, yeah, all well, this is happening. So clearly Westeros, clearly what's east of Westeros and, and all of these deep, rich cultures that are combined in a city like Karth are... uh spicing up the story's moving somewhere and i like it well and that whole debacle with uh her losing her dragons or whatever for a period of time that happened in the show doesn't happen in the book it's kind of you know it's just we we did talk about that maybe it was like embellished to give a little bit more to the series because by the end of this chapter we're we're i think partly into season three's danny even though it's only book two yeah because we encounter the character of whitebeard um so it's really interesting to see how elements from what we would consider to be the future are present even in this chapter as she's fleeing Karth. But the the other cool thing is that Jorah is Jorah being from Westeros, being you know familiar with old tales and that sort of thing, is actually able to corroborate much to his own dismay the stuff that Danny saw in her in her dreams or whatever. Yeah, and she's worried about it. This is actually a passage from the book that I wanted to read to a lot of you guys. It says, The warlocks whispered of three treasons, once for blood and once for gold and once for love. So she's considering to herself out loud something that we've seen a lot of you guys writing about and theorizing about that Eric and I have to kind of avoid. But uh goes on to say, The first traitor, and this is Danny's thoughts, the first traitor was surely Mary Mazdur, who had murdered Khal Drogo and their unborn son to adventure people. 
Could Piat Pri and Zaro Zahanduxus be the second and the third? She did not think so. What Piat did was not for gold, and Zaro had never truly loved her, which is true. He's still begging her to marry him, which is yeah. just like, come on, man. <laughs> Give yeah, it a rest. Yeah. Really? She's on to you, dude. She She's just not going to work. went through the House of the Undying and saw crazy stuff. <laughs> I'm talking about the crazy shit. Too crazy for the large budgeted HBO to fit in. Too crazy for that. You're just you're just saying duck sauce can't excite her all that much. Yeah, anymore. pretty much. Like she yeah. has got like you got to catch up, fellas. Like there, it's gonna take a couple ships with new names painted in large, <laughs> easily to read <laughs> legible letters to excite Daenerys right now. Yeah, it's true, and 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 it's funny though that she should keep so much stock in what she heard in the House of the Undying. Um, but she has a reason to. I mean, it really affects her. She's basically deciding that she's going to be betrayed, that the prophecy yeah. should be held to, and she's about to be betrayed twice. Uh, or not about to, but it's in the future. In the same chapter where she's having to go and forge new alliances yeah. and find herself some ships. I didn't think that it was going to happen this way, though, dude. And I don't want to say that I'm glad that it's the two of us, but just right now, because we don't have a guiding light, and we can kind mm -hmm. of dish our own little, like, ooh, is this happening? Oh, is this happening? But to, right. me, to me, it's just – I feel like the book has immediately gotten so much better. And I thought it was a great book before. But I read a chapter like this where Daenerys is with her people and they're dressed in plain clothes. And you really think about what's happening. You've got Daenerys and who she is in the book, this small, slim, blonde girl with a knight from Westeros with a big bear of House of Mormont on his chest, <laughs> right? With some Dothraki people walking around this huge dock. Karth has such a, a massive – port it's one of the portals to this entire side of the planet you know what i mean like if you want to call it a planet yeah. like it's 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 so busy and full of so many different cultures speaking so many different languages it smells of of all of these crazy you just have to read the descriptions in the book it's semen yeah, and sperm. yeah that too <laughs> <laughs> two uh, different things guys two different things and i'm just thinking about how deep and exciting this is and all the gambling and interesting shit that's happening it's just you know, it's heartwarming to get to this part of the book, and I hope that more of it is like this because so much of it has been claustrophobic. We've been inside of, like, throne rooms talking to people. We've been inside small council chambers talking to people, and it's all great because the dialogue is really what makes this story awesome. But so much has happened here, and what Daenerys is doing is is really being set in a setting and a storyline that's making her quickly, like, the coolest character. And so you're wanting more chapters like this, but this is – what is this? Only the uh, third or fourth she's had in the entire book so far? Something oh, like that. Oh, let me look this up. Yeah, it's uh, it's not many. Not many compared to the rest, and her gap has been large compared to the rest. I think the fact that we don't have her, like, absence makes the heart grow fonder, obviously is why she's more favored by readers than show watchers, but I think that she'll <laughs> quickly regain that pace once the show goes on. It is uh, five, and it is the final one for Danny, which is kind of sad, actually, really because is. she's got a lot of, there's a lot of forward momentum uh, for Danny at the end of this chapter. But it does end without so much as a further word from her. In fact, we've only got six chapters left after this. We're getting close. Now that I look at it. So the end of the book is, is, is near, but this is where, this is where George R. R. Martin has chosen to place Danny's story at the end of the book. And I, I'm glad that, we revisited her because this chapter, as you say, is rich. It really brings, you know, some new senses or senses that have been dulled or really ensnared again. And it just is a great to read. Some things that happen in this chapter, like you said, happen so much further in the, in the show series. And I just have to question the, the purposes behind this. I, I feel like I'm a pretty savvy minded person when it comes to adapting content to screen. That's kind of what I do for a living. But what I'm saying is like this 
setup in general, like, I realize it would have been very ambitious to capture on video, and it's more of a go to Tortuga type of scene, like in Pirates, but it's just, it adds so much to the context of what's happening. It's just, it's such a damn shame that so much of Danny's storyline has been left out. You know, it's such a shame. Well, from a budget standpoint, and I, I hate for it to always come down to money, but I feel like more of it comes down to money than even we would be comfortable, like, knowing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they just had to show all those ships in Blackwater. Yeah, no. And no. now for, for for Danny to have been, like, all these sh- ships at the port. But not only that, like, um, the other thing is, think about how they ended up doing it in the end, was with Zaro betraying her and Miri, uh, not Miri, uh, one of her uh, girls, her handmaidens, Getting locked in the vault, Jaquia, you know, again, v- very claustrophobic, but completely the opposite of this huge <laughs> port, you know, yeah. and uh, Bar- Barristan Selmy may not have been in season two at all. He wasn't. He wasn't. So yeah. they're like, well, rather than bring him back for the last episode, wait until, uh, you know, season three to get him back so they don't have to pay him or whatever, well, you know, anything like that. So I don't know. We, we've seen this happen, though, where because they have to give a certain amount of screen time to characters, they they kind of make shit up and embellish. Like even Danny, who only had five chapters, and uh, I believe Tyrion had like fifteen. They <laughs> kind of may have gotten pretty equal screen time in this series, just because you've got to do that. Yeah, or maybe even more to Danny's favor. Like I understand, and and you're totally right. It comes down to budget, and it also comes down to the real estate of what we actually have for these characters in the story. Because with Daenerys being such a big person, like I'm thinking about the art for the last season, there was two main people. There was Tyrion and there was Daenerys. There's Peter Dinklage and Amelia Clark. You know, that was the orange and blue mm-hmm. branding. And then a lot of the other key characters were, were photographed and, and designed in the same fashion, but these are the two that you'll see prominently displayed on like ads and HBO Go and stuff like that. So we understand that we need Daenerys to be stretched out. And so I think about what they did to replace what's happened at the end of this book. And so what happened at the end of this book with Daenerys in her last chapter here, she's visited by a few new people that we'll we'll get to in a bit. But rather than doing that now in the show, what they did was replace that with the entire slave storyline, sleeping with Zaro, and with her happening upon Zaro. And that really cleanly tied up the Zaro storyline. That tied up the vault thing that they also created. That would be a device later on for that last episode, but it also gave them a way to make money and get the ships that they sell on in the beginning of season right. three and that they procure and this way at the end of this So either book. way they end up with the ship. Right, and it was tightly – tied up you know what i mean it was it was compact yeah. and, and you're done with karth after that like you feel like it's been released and and this way it's more open-ended in this way it's more the majestical large city that we wish could have been captured better and that lots of things are happening you know but in the show it's more like that was a weird place kind of egyptian or whatever and now that's done <laughs> yeah no i get it i mean I, I think another reason this chapter exists like it would have been on quite a cliffhanger like it, it would have been a uh a Theon style cliffhanger if, uh, if, if he hadn't put this Daenerys, uh, chapter in. So I, I am very glad he did it again. But, uh, you know, I've mentioned that, that she does run a few ideas by Jorah. I was really glad to see her and Jorah talking, um, in this chapter. You know, they're just kind of riding along and he's looking out for her and all this stuff. He's her knight, you know, he's, he's her knight. Um, but she talks about seeing her brother and he's all skeptical and she's like, well, he had this harp <laughs> and Jorah's like, okay, he did have a harp and <laughs> they just figure out, you know, I don't know what Jorah thinks of all this magic. You know, he doesn't really believe in it, but, uh, he really doesn't deny he kind of indulges her here. 
um, into believing that she did, in fact, at least some of the things she saw were true. But he asks her, especially about the blood feast, he's like, what could that mean? Was I there? You know, really? <laughs> what what relevance does it happen? Because you're doting on that and then you're ignoring the fact that there are real warlocks here in Karth who want to kill us. Yeah. So he's he's kind of an action man. He just wants to get the hell out of there. Uh, absolutely. And I think that he's been bothered by the entire situation up to this point and he didn't want her to go to the tower anyway so all of this is just bad on top of bad on top of bad he's like listen let's get a ship let's leave you know let's get out of here well in order to get a ship they have to go in with these guys who they first spot uh kind of following them and this is they they, they kind of just go down to the docks so well they want to buy though. a ship they're just like uh okay well they've outstayed their welcome they realize <laughs> danny realizes that even the 13 are like Instead of giving her gifts, they're now like eyeing her, taking her gifts back, basically. Oh yeah, Zero or Zara <laughs> wanted uh, wanted his gifts back. What a jerk! Well, because he finally gave her a last choice. He was like, "All right, give me a son. We'll leave on my pleasure barge." Eh? She's like, "No, dude." He's like, "All right, well then go." He literally said that. Then go. Yeah, exactly. Well, how badass is Danny? Because he offered her what ten ships or whatever. Thirty. And, and she's like, "Well, how how many ships do you oh, yeah. do, do you have?" And he's like, "Well, eighty four, not including the pleasure barge." Okay, how many of the thirteen have? Oh, about a thousand. Uh-huh. How many do the spicers? And the, she's like, "Look, dude, I have three dragons. There are they are the only three dragons in the world." Yeah. And uh, so I think it's fair that in exchange for one of my dragons that you want so badly, I get one third of all the ships in the world. And he doesn't like. That. I was I was just I, you can't argue with it. <laughs> no, it's, it's perfect. It, it really is. It's good math. It's really good math. A few ships, and it's like I I, I want to think to myself, Zara, what the hell are you gonna do with a dragon, man? Like you yeah. like really. Honestly, are you gonna you gonna give it a golden plate? Like this isn't Smaug. He's not gonna be impressed. Like he wants to kill shit and cook fish. But uh, I mean, when they do catch on to the, the these guys, I guess Strong Belwas, his name is yeah. this short fat dude. Uh, oh, um, uh, what's the word? Eunuch. Yeah. Um, and then and then this guy Whitebeard. And at first, when when Arston. the book said bald headed eunuch, I was like, oh, surely what not. the hell is Varys doing this? What? <laughs> Why is why is Varys here? You know, that's a little too close for comfort, but uh, fortunately it wasn't him. It's just another bald eunuch. Yeah, I mean, this this was so masterfully done in this chapter with a little bit of comedy that I I really loved. They were they were walking along and Jorah's like, check this out. All right, I don't want you to turn around. He puts his hand on the smaller of her back and he's like, hey, Danny. He, let's just say he calls her D. He's like, hey, D, um, <laughs> we're getting followed by some people. And she start, he's like, don't look behind you. Come here, let's check this out. And they walk over to this salesman who's selling a bunch of brass shit, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, look at all this brass stuff. And he's like, oh, but this is the greatest brass in the world. And for you, Mother of Dragons, 30 honors for this beautiful brass plate. And Jorah's just holding it up because they're using it as a mirror, looking behind him, like checking the scene out. They're like, all right, this this guy, he looks like he's from Westeros. This other friend with him, I don't know if he's actually with him here. Let's turn to the side, act normal for a second, and then we'll check again. Just brilliantly done. Yeah, very much so. And it's, it's a little bit of misdirection on George's part because they are trying to avoid these two guys as they walk along. But it turns out that somebody else entirely hands Danny a box. And it's just like, this is for you, Mother of Dragons, all sorts of stuff. This box contains, I guess she called it a manacore, mm-hmm. but it looked, it looked as like a scarab sort of thing that maybe would have killed her. I think this, this directly replaces the scene with that little girl. Yeah. Wasn't it a little girl with blue, you know, night, nightshade eating in Astapor? Yeah. Where, but again, the, the effect is the same because Whitebeard, uh, aka Barristan Zelmi, 
comes along and uh, swats it essentially out of her hands and actually hurts her hand and gets into a little trouble himself. But, you know, she's able to clear it up pretty quickly and says, you've saved me. And that really endears her to these guys who were, who were shady, who were following her. And all of a sudden she's taking him in and, and she's deciding what color curtains this chips will have. <laughs> yes, they're picking out draperies yeah. and rugs and stuff. All of a sudden they spend the rest of the day adorning all these Bader ships for, for Denny. <laughs> yeah. They just say, Hey, we're here from Illyrio. Uh, the fat guy. They don't even say his name. They're like this big guy with stink in his hair. Oh yeah, uh, one guy I know. Sent us, and she's like, "Oh, oh, Illyrio, I know him." It's very possible, though. I mean, you got to think about like the potential for it to be a, a fake. You know, anybody who knows who she is would would probably also know that Illyrio housed them for so long. Her and her brother. Um, you know, just kind of. I don't know. It's it's a little. I think she should be treating it a little bit more suspiciously than she is. I agree. I think that. That's one of the things that we're supposed to take away from this chapter is that Daenerys is a little too trusting. I mean, she's allowed herself to get in so many of these situations because of that. And she's still young and naive and figuring things out and much to the dismay of the police, much to the dismay of Jorah. It's like it's a, a, a kid's story. It's like Home Alone or something. You know, like people are people are going to make a mistake. You know what I mean? Like she's a vigilante. If this is who she chooses to trust, I mean, I can honestly say that I wasn't sure that it was going to be Barrison. I was assuming that at this moment. They were just going to introduce Barrison, but they said Arson Whitebeard. So I thought that's cleverly disguised, sort of a similar name. But the fact that Jorah doesn't completely recognize him still makes me wonder a bit. Like, I'm okay, surely it can't be anyone else, so let's just assume that it's him. But I would have figured that Jorah would have had a better recognition for the Barrison Selmy. He is the Barrison Selmy. I think it is important to point that yeah, out. Yeah, but exactly. To, 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 I mean, to uh, Jorah's defense, he does say there were thousands of knights at because. Uh, Whitebeard says he recognizes him from uh, that thing on Pike and uh, the the other one. Uh, he he nearly unseated uh, the Kingslayer, yeah. go Jorah uh, yeah. at, at Lannisport or whatever. And 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 Jorah does kind of recognize this knight, but he, he just can't pin a name on him. I think in that episode of the TV series in season three, when Barristan was revealed to be Barristan, I think it was right away, right? Yeah. Um, I think Micah or some one of the listeners of the show did say like. Okay, and the book's a little different because he apparently goes on, you know, without us knowing his true identity for almost all of next book, I think. Yeah. Um, so the fact that it's, it's like a big deal, it's a big reveal who he really is in the books is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I'm glad I kind of like being clued in a little bit though, that this isn't, that this isn't just some other guy. Like he, he is in fact, we know he's from Westeros, but this is the Barrison Selmy. Like he, we can tell easily that he his motives aren't you know against Danny's because of the way Joffrey treated him. Right. Like maybe that's the thing is that maybe that's the whole catalyst here is you know we don't we were supposed to question him and his loyalty, but if we knew who he was, we wouldn't because he clearly has a reason to hate the Lannisters who dismissed him. Yeah, I think this this strong Bellwis character and the fact that that let's just call him Barrison as his squire air quotes in this situation. We're meant to think that that's weird because he's clearly the better spoken one and has a little bit more intelligence, um, referring directly to the kind of situation that she and Jorah are both in. And the fact that he also recognized Jorah from the Lannisport tourney, like it also kind of points in the direction that there's more to this guy and Whitebeard being a nickname, not being an actual surname is interesting enough to assume that there's more of a mystery to this guy. But it kind of disappoints me that we actually know this because I can, 
hear in my head the joy and excitement that a lot of you sullied listeners went through when you were reading it for the first time and got to discover like organically that this was Barristan Selmy that had been traveling and helping Daenerys the entire time, you know, like that'd be kind of cool at the same time. You know, he basically just cut a vowel out of his first name. If you think about this from Barristan to Arston. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's like a child tries to say Barristan. Arston. Yeah. Well, needless to say, he's here. Um, this big ass dude, a small, tiny, very tiny, like <laughs> I'm thinking of the genie from Aladdin style vest, except it's iron, <laughs> you know, with all of his scars of people he fought in the pit. And, you know, he's not getting along with the, the Dothraki and you can tell that hijinks are ahead. There's a very, oh, it's a very cute way. I don't want to say cute in the midst of all this danger and destruction, but it's a very jovial way to end the chapter and to kind of lead Danny's story forward because uh, in this off season for George between books, I can just imagine all the wonderful ideas he's thinking of where they will go next. And they mm-hmm. specifically mentioned um, Danny looking at the slaves when they were going around ship from ship and talking to the captains and trying to get a price. Uh, the, sl- right. the slaves from Astapor from Slavers Bay, Astapor. So it's like, okay, well, if we want to go ahead and use a clue, like using context clues in the chapter, they'll probably go that way. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really all we know of where they could go next. Um, but the great news is she does end the chapter with ships. And uh, this is one of my favorite uh, things about this chapter. But uh, Whitebeard says, The great cog, Sedulian, is birthed at the end of the quay, and the galleys, Summer Sun and Jozo's Prank, are <laughs> beneath the... Jozo's Prank. I would not ride a boat. I would not want to ride on a boat called Jozo's Prank. And she's like... Well, she's still trying to find a lot of relevance in what she heard at the House of the Undying. Yeah. So this three heads has the dragon. Yeah. She, she thinks to herself, and she asked Jorah that earlier in the chapter. She's like, what does that mean? He's like, oh, I don't know. It's your sigil. Three she's heads. like, I know that. What does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> but what does it mean, Jorah? What does it mean? Anyway, she says, I shall tell my people to make ready to depart at once, but the ships that bring me home must bear different names. And he's just like, eh, okay. Fine. What do you want? He's like, she says, Vagar, mm. Meraxes, <laughs> and Balerion. <laughs> Paint the names on their holes in golden letters three feet high, Arston. I want Arston. every man who sees them to know the dragons are returned. This is a, now, I don't think this was ever stated before, but they were the names of Igon's three dragons that he had a long time ago. They were the big three. One of them, I think, has a skeleton inside, like, King's Landing inside that. I think I think that's the skeleton of one of them. What sexier names to name your new ships? You know what I mean? There's three Barazis. of them. The best things come in threes. That's what I hear. Yeah, well, I mean, I would have named them the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria, <laughs> you know, just for, just for old times. Sake. I swear but, uh, to you, dude, oddly enough, I'm in the farmhouse, and there used to be wallpaper when I was a child that was in this room, and the wallpaper was those boats. Dude, no way. Yeah, I swear to God, that's so weird in this room. That, I'm that in. is a little weird. That is weird. That's funny. Well, we've reached, <laughs> uh, obviously, the end of this chapter, and, and hell, that's an own of itself. Um, but I think it's time for owns. Okay, well, I'm going to jump right into it. I think that I'm going to give my own to... It's so hard because you could give Jorah an own for just being the grumpy older friend that, you know, has <laughs> quietly nudged himself into the friend zone. You know what I mean? Like, he's just... He knows. <laughs> yeah. He knows that. He's at the point where he's 
showing her brass plates, which leads me to the person that could be my next own. And I think that the brass plate salesman will probably just get my own. And it might go to Danny because this happened, but the own goes to the salesman nonetheless for starting at 30 honors, which was an egregious price, Eric. Can we, can we agree <laughs> that his entire wares on the table wasn't even worth that? You know what I mean? Well, we like, don't know. I'm just we saying. don't know until she says that her interior monologue. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's just I yeah. don't know. It didn't seem like it was worth it. But he eventually works from thirty honors, which is their currency, okay, mm-hmm. to one honor, or was it two? It was either. I think way. it was. T- it was either two or four. And she basically says, "Jorah, pay this man before he kills himself." And yeah, pay this man before he kills himself. <laughs> and uh, they they bought the damn plate. So or yeah. the, the manicure happened. So and, now she has a plate. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it works as like a blinder. She can reflect the sun off of it. It's and... like the hoverboard from Back to the Future. Oh, that would be cool. You got one year to make it economy. So let's oh get the God. Kickstarter out. One year to for make literally everything in that. <laughs> I did see. I did see an article about a flying car that that happened. Well, those shoes. Nike has those shoes. Yeah. Yeah, well, they don't actually work. You know that, right? I don't know, man. Yeah, they fashioned it. They made, like, the power laces, but they don't actually have power laces retarded. I'm just going to choose to believe that they work, you know? Well, I'm going to choose to believe hoverboards are real. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to choose to believe that you're going to give your own right after we get done talking right here. It's true. My own goes to Strong Bellwis for a line that he has. This is Danny saying, Rise, Ariston Whitebeard. Be welcome, Strong Bellwis. Sir Jory, you know. Coago, Kojogo are blood of my blood. They crossed the red waste with me and saw my dragons born. <laughs> Bellwis comes in. Bellwis comes in. Horse boys? <laughs> Bellwis grinned toothily. Bellwis has killed many horses in the fighting pits. Uh, horse boys. They jingle when they die. <laughs> oh, the bells. And he, he antagonizes Ago so badly. Uh, it says, Ago's Iraq leapt to his hand. And he says, never have I killed a fat brown man. Bellwis will be the first. Right. So he's stirring shit. It's uneasy acquaintances. It's uneasy alliances. This is what this, these books are all about here. Um, they're, Danny's just kind of taking them at their word that these ships are for her, that they will take her where she wants to go. So much hijinks is promised for the future, you know? Just from this chapter alone, you're just like, what is going to happen with these people? Much like the hijinks promised when we transition very casually into the section of the show where we read things that you have sent us, the listeners of our program, Game of Owns. Yes, indeed. And we got an email that is relevant to today's chapter. Uh, This is from Tim Mulligan. And he says, this Danny chapter is another one of those things that never could have been done on screen. George leaves the readers in the dark for quite a while with this white beard character. However, on TV, it was always going to be obvious it was Barristan Selmy. Yeah. I could seriously use some strong Belwis on the show, but alas, I don't think he's going to make the cut. That's a shame. Yeah, I think Belwis is probably out of the picture just because they're a package deal. Definitely. You know, they both come from Illyrio. They both come. The fact that he hasn't shown up yet means he probably won't. Yeah, I mean, we can recast the mountain 17 times, but Bellwis, hell no. (laughs) Well, it's just like the mountain. That's why they can get away with it. Like, I don't necessarily agree with what Tim said here about it would have been obvious it was Barris and Selmy because I look at these – I no, I look at these new faces though. I don't recognize who they are. You know, there are so many little faces on the show of of little characters because they cast them – they do cast them well. I'm not saying the cast aren't memorable, but I would have trouble placing exactly where he was on before. I would have been like, who is that? Or I would have called up Mike and been like, Mike, who is that? <laughs> you know, because I don't think – even if I recognize the face, it's kind of like Jorah here. You can recognize the face, but he couldn't put a name to it. Right. And until until you can identify who that man actually is, you don't know 
really all that much about them at all. Yeah, but the people that pause and screenshot and post it online for everyone to examine, they know. Well, I think I think it's right. It's a visual thing versus like not because these characters have never seen Varys, or at least Danny has never seen him before. But the reader or the viewers have. Thanks, Tim Mulgan. I appreciate the email. Thank you. Very yes, nice. Thank you, Tim. Should we uh, transition onto Facebook here, where we invite our listeners to kindly scrawl upon our wall with whatever extremities they choose necessary. <laughs> extremities. We do have uh, a very timely uh, post for the new year. Um, somebody wrote on our Facebook wall. This is Robin Perry. He says, I'm surprised you all haven't mentioned this already, but in 2014, we can look forward to not only season four, but an exciting book release. Here's the news. This, uh, this book cover that is posted here along with this post says, number one, Westeros best-selling author. The book is My Poor Life Choices, <laughs> a tell-all memoir. And it's by Theon Greyjoy. What is said may never die. His face in this is is very uh, gleeful um, for them to be his poor life choices. But uh, hey, I'd buy that book. Yeah, it's it's in the middle of his speech in Winterfell, right before he had a spear to the back of the noggin. So, uh, <laughs> Robin, thank you for this book cover. I really hope that you made this. If you didn't, that's still great. I see it's from GameOfLaughs.com. I still hope that you went on there and made it, whatever the hell that is. And uh, in case uh, people thought that we forgot, uh, that Christmas was on a Wednesday uh, this <laughs> past year. Uh, we did have two posts, actually. Um, first one from Serata Nunziata, uh, who said, actually, it's a picture of the nativity scene. Yes. And, uh, of course, the camel in the background. <laughs> just looking fervently. Just trolling. Um, and it says, uh, hey, guys, guess what day it is? And they all say, shut up, camel. Yeah. I think it's the baby that was saying shut up, camel, though. If you look closely. Oh, the baby? Yeah. Yeah. The mouth's probably. open. Could have been. And the second second one, very similar also, um, from Tab Debiasi. Uh, it's a picture of a camel with a uh, Santa hat on. It says, oh, yeah, uh-oh, guess what day Christmas is on this year. Um, we have a thing for camels. You know, one-third of our sigil is a camel. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it's a big deal in the show. And uh, we appreciate everybody who contributes to our ever-growing uh, stock of camel things, uh, balls, pictures. Camel swag. Memes, swags. Camel swag. Well, it is hump day. You know, the hump day episode comes every week, so why not celebrate it? Why not, in fact, celebrate it? And uh, that's about it for uh, the Facebook uh, content that we've got recently, but uh, we do encourage you to always be scrawling on our walling. Always be scrawling instead of closing. <laughs> we want to remind everybody that if they want to submit uh, content to us or comments, theories, owns, because we do source listener owns as well, uh, you can contact us in three ways. You can do it on our Facebook, facebook.com slash Game of Owns. You can do it on Twitter, twitter.com slash Game of Owns, or email contact at gameofowns.com. And remember, those little TNT poppets you can buy at the fireworks stand, like around or near 4th of July. If you throw them, for all you Zelda fans out there, they explode and you can pretend they're Deku nuts for your friends. They make a tidy little pop and they're magical and delicious. Be sure to write us about stuff like that because this... uh Community exists because of you. We read some very, very kind words following our live show Sunday evening and then the subsequent posting of that episode on Monday. And um, it just goes without saying that we make the show for you guys. We enjoy creating this together because it's not only fun, but because thousands of you get to experience this along with us. And we're big fans of the series. And 
it's just awesome when you guys communicate and understand that we're all in this together, you know? So it's a big, happy, fun time. It's one of the more gleeful things I'll ever say in my life. You know, next the next uh, episode, we get to focus on Arya, um, which is it's also been a while since we've heard from her. Keep your stomachs empty. Look for Friday's episode and another hearty helping of some weasel soup. That is Eric Skull. That is Zach Louie, and this is a thing that we do now. Yeah, sleep tightly in your beds. Visions of sugar plum <laughs> dancing in your heads. And your Uncle Ted. And Campbell. <laughs> I almost said Campbell's tomato soup, you know, Campbell's. Campbell's, Campbell's camel soup. Humpty! It's magically delicious. Jenny and the block stuck in my head. Do, 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 do. Rangers. <laughs> All right. Rangers.